A little bit of information on your, I'm guessing, one of your most southern and western ministries that you support. Um, I guess Australia is even further west, but oh well. Can't, can't get them all in. But anyway, and the Judds are, they're pretty close to us. They're only about three hours away, or four hours away. So when you see these videos like this, and it's missionaries you support, that is your ministry over there. That is... Those lives that have been changed have been changed in part because of your support of missions. Now, the one young man that I was baptizing, not the one where we nearly drowned, that was, that was a good one. But um, that girl, her, her family has been coming along to church and her sister has gotten saved and her, her brother is uh, helping leading singing in church. And so that's all good there. And then another uh, young man, a Maori man that I was baptizing, his name's Cody, and he started coming to church because our son Grant was in Army Cadets with him, and Arm, uh, Grant kept asking him to come to church and he and to come to youth activities and men's activities, and he kept saying no, 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 and finally, after about two years, he finally said yes, and he came along and he ended up trusting Christ, um, and then he's now training for the ministry. And he's helping, uh, brother, brother Judd has, uh, in a church that Brother Bankston, another missionary friend, had started. And Cody is working also with Brother Bankston now in trying to possibly get another church going over there. So Cody is part of the, the fruit of the ministry from Rotorua. Now they're in another city. And so... These different ones, and a young girl that's, or a young lady in our church, she's um, 18, will be 19 in January. She's in the Bible training program. We have a Bible training program, and Brother Bankston runs the program. But a number of us are teaching in the program where the students come to our church for two or three weeks, and they do one class, but then they also work in our ministry while they're there. And then they go to another church and get another class, and they do that. And it's just an amazing thing, the fellowship and the cooperation we have amongst our churches and that we can support one another and encourage one another. And again, I'm very thankful for the Judds and their fellowship and also their supporting these different ministries, family camp, youth camp. Um, it's it's an amazing uh, bond we have in Christ with these different ministries over there. So keep praying for the ministries there because they're your ministries, like I said. And by the way, if the Lord gives you opportunity, come see us. Um, you can see us, see the Judds at the same time. I know Fostoria took a trip down there quite a few years ago. Anybody go on that trip? Raise your hand if you're with Pastor Todd when you went down there. Okay, there's one in the background. Where's everybody else? No, I'm okay. Anyway, they're probably busy in some other ministries, but... The reality is the ticket prices, when they're specials, are getting cheaper now. Um, I've just recently seen ticket prices as low as about $700 U.S. Uh, round trip from Chicago, a direct flight from Chicago all the way to Auckland. So that is pretty cheap to travel. That flight is a 16-hour flight. And so to get it for that kind of price is pretty cheap because they've normally been about 1500 or more. So... Anyway, if you need to know how to travel, uh, he's the travel agent. Um, he, he doesn't get paid, but he booked my tickets for the furlough coming back. And uh, 
He booked my tickets to Samoa, and he booked my tickets. Uh... Look, I just look for people who know what they're doing and just have them help me. That's all. You don't have to be smart. You just got to know where to go to get somebody to help. So anyway, and I will say, he did encourage me to spend an extra $39 to get a bulkhead seat, which is so you don't have anybody sitting in front of you. And for this trip coming back, it was 15 hours coming back. And that was worth every penny of it for that 16 hours to be able to stretch my legs out. So I know that might seem like an extravagance, but trust me, if you get on one of those flights for 15, 16 hours, it is not extravagant. It is, especially for people like me that are a bit claustrophobic, because uh, if you get in the other seats and someone tips their seat back, their seat is like right here. And 16 hours of their screen or the their back of their seat right in front of you, it can be a little bit hard to breathe. So anyway, I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to think about the fact that the world around us is getting more and more evil as the days go on. And folks, um, recently we had a terrible shooting in New Zealand. It was a It happened at a Muslim mosque down there. And it just goes to show the evil in man's heart. And as the world is getting more and more evil, we as Christians need to take stronger and stronger stands for the Lord Jesus Christ. I was greatly encouraged by your choir number you guys sang tonight, particularly one of the songs that was part of that big medley, and that was Dare to Stand Alone for Christ. Because that song meant a lot to me as a teenager when I was growing up and and I started going to church. I got saved when I was about 14 and started going to church consistently around 16. And that was a song that we sang in a choir in high school. And it made me think about the importance of taking a stand, even if you have to stand alone. And today we need to have men that will take a stand for Christ. There's a lot of people that will say they're Christians, but they'll take no stand for the Lord. And we just need to realize that there is a huge need out there, and we need to stand for for God. Now, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I just want to reference that verse quickly. That God is looking for men who will take a stand and stand strong for him. Now, over in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Verse 10, Ephesians 6, 10. Put on the whole armor of God, verse 11, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Verse 10 there says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. You know, we need to be men that will be strong. We need to be men that will take a stand. And our strength needs to come from God. Because, you know, we can do all the training we want to become physically strong And many people do this where they train and train and train because they want to be, you know, super physically fit and everything. But they're not strong spiritually. And we need to be strong in the Lord. Because when the trials come in life, our physical strength is finite. 
And our physical strength can, can go. But if we are strong in the Lord, even if our body is weak, our, our spirit can be strong. And so we need to spend time in the Word, we need to spend time in prayer, and we need to spend time around godly people. And make sure that we're at a place where we can stand strong for God no matter what comes our way. Now, we've recently seen a, uh, something happen in Australia. And Australia is not New Zealand, but it's not far away. And a lot of the things happening there end up happening in New Zealand. They're fairly close to us. And there was a, a young man that was a rugby player over there. And some of you may have read about this on, on the news. His name was Israel Folau. And this young man, he was an all-star. And he was playing for the national uh, Australian team called the Wallabies. And as he was uh, playing for that team, he also was a, a Christian. And he's from, originally from some of the islands north of us, the island of Tonga. And someone was asking him some questions on his social media and on his social media, he, he basically gave a quote, um, a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, that talks about some people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you read through that verse, it talks about liars and thieves and, and people who are immoral and people who are homosexual and other things like that. And he said, if these people don't repent and come to Christ... They only have hell to look forward to. Now, when he made that post on his social media, um, his own personal social media, the rugby union in Australia said, this is a high level offense to our standards of our rugby union players. And this, is a, this man had a contract, a $4 million contract. He wasn't just some average player. He was a star. $4 million contracts over there don't happen very often. He was super well-known. But when he did this, they, they said, that's it. This high-level offense, they, they w did weeks of meetings about it. And they told him, they said, well, this is so bad that you're going to be fired as a rugby player. You're not going to be on the team anymore. And they said, you're going to lose your contract, your $4 million contract. And they said in, in one of the negotiations, they told him, if you will take that down off your social media, then we'll pay you $1 million and you'll still be fired, but you'll at least get $1 million of it. And you know, that young man, he said, I'm not going to take it down because it's the truth. And he said, this is what people need to hear. Now, this young man's not an independent Baptist. I need to tell you this. He's, he's, he goes to, uh, I think, a maybe an Assembly of God or Church of Christ or something, but he believes in Christ, okay? And he believes he needs to tell people what the Bible says. And folks, he was willing to give up his contract. And they tore up his contract and said, fine, you get nothing. And that's what's taken place so far. Now, that's still going to be battled out probably in court and everything. But the scary part about that to me is this. Shortly after he said this, our prime minister in New Zealand said, we are not going to allow that kind of hate speech in our country. Now, that's what's going to affect us. That's what's going to affect the Judds. Because, you know, basically what he said was a paraphrase of a Bible verse. And probably if they'd seen the Bible verse itself, that would have made him even more mad and made him more upset. And the reality is, 
when my wife and I and others in our church have passed out those flyers and letterboxes all around the city, it's totally legal. We're allowed to do that. And uh, I've gotten some incredibly hateful text messages and uh, phone messages and stuff because our information's all on there. They can call us anytime they want. And people, there's a number of people who have a hatred toward God or anything Christian. Now, I've noticed it's here too, right here in America. And there's a growing number of that. And to me, that shows me that we're getting closer to the end times as well, this hatred toward God. But it makes things tougher. But it, even though we get that kind of opposition, we can't stop and we can't turn our back. We have to take a stand for Christ. That, those verses in Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How much power does God have? Does he have enough power to deal with these kind of situations? I mean, he's a God who created the entire universe. I think he can take care of some of these people who hate him. He can do that. And we need to stand strong knowing that he is the one who gives us the victory. The victory is not in us. We're, we're just humans and we're finite and we're... We only have so much power on our, of our own in our physical ability, but in God, we have the victory. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, he says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's what we have to stand on. We have to stand on the fact that God is all-powerful, and it's not in vain what we're doing. I, a number of the people you saw up there, as their lives have been changed, and now Pastor Jono, for example, I think he may have been here when a number of years ago when we were on furlough. He traveled with us for about three months. And he was just a young man at the time. But you know, he's now been pastoring that church in Hamilton for 13 years. And there have been numerous people saved in that church, and that church is growing, and it's solid, and he is a tremendous preacher of God's Word. Well, you know, that is one of the ones to show that his, your labor is not in vain. Not only did your giving affect his life, but that has now gone on to affect lots and lots and lots of other people there in that church. It's not in vain. But you got to take a stand. And Pastor Jono does take a strong stand for the Lord. And it goes on to say in that passage, verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We need God's armor. Because if we don't use God's armor, then we are going to be vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. And believe me, the devil is trying to attack on all sides. He's trying to destroy families. He's trying to destroy um, churches. He's doing everything he can to destroy the witness for Christ in our, in our world. You know, what I've noticed is a lot of people who are against God... They, they talk about tolerance all the time. You hear people talk about tolerance? Oh, well, you know, you've got to be tolerant of everyone and all the things they're doing and all this. But they're tolerant of everything except Bible Christianity. And that's the one thing they're intolerant of, of people who are following the Bible and what it says. And in the, in the process, they are battling against us. They are fighting against us. But it's not them that are battling. It's the spirit that's lying within them and where it's coming from. And God goes on to tell us what that is in verse 12. He says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So God says, look, that's what you're battling. These, these wicked spiritual powers that are uh, influencing people. By the way, one area where that's taking place a lot is on the internet. Evil spirits are using the internet to just push so much evil and wickedness. And a lot of it they do in false doctrine and stuff and make it sound like it's Christianity. And you need to be very careful. If you have a question about the Bible, go to the Bible and find the answer. Don't go to the internet. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of garbage on the internet that is going to lead you astray and take you away from God. We had a young man in our church that was, he, his family lives about an hour away from the church and they're out on a dairy farm and they, during the calving season, they, they weren't getting into church very regularly. And he had a desire to get closer to God. So he decided he would just look, look up on the internet about getting close to God. <clears throat> and in the process, he, he found a website, and this website talked about hearing the voice of God. And as he listened to that, he opened himself up to, I believe, demonic influence. Truly demonic influence. Because after a, a number of weeks that he was doing this, and I, I had no idea he was, and his dad didn't know he was, and he was just on his phone looking at stuff and listening to uh, videos on YouTube about this. And... One day I took him out for a driving lesson because I was trying to help him learn how to drive because he he had been kind of, his mother had died years before and they had been stuck on the farm and he didn't leave the farm. And I was taking him out on driving lessons. One day I took him out on driving lesson and I said, okay, come on up to the corner here and uh, turn right. And he said, "Um, no, I think we're turning left this time. I'm like, what? And went along a little bit further and I said, okay, uh, turn left here. No, I, th- I think we need to turn right now. And he, and I'm thinking, what is going on with this guy? Well, the reality of it was he was l- listening to something, a voice in his head or whatever that was directing him. Literally where to turn and where to go and do these sort of things. And I didn't realize that was going on until a little bit later. And Come to find out, this, this thing he had listened to on the internet had led him astray to all sorts of false doctrine. It had led him to believe that he needed to stand up all night long with his arms outstretched and his head back and looking to heaven and praying all night long. And, his, and, and eating was evil and sinful. And that he had to starve himself to please God and all this sort of thing. And this young man, in about a month's time, he became nothing but skin and bones. I mean, he, he got down to 50 kilos, which is just, just over 100 pounds. And he's a 28-year-old young guy and about my height. And he was just skin and bones. And he was saying, well, if I eat, it's evil and my family will go to hell and all this sort of stuff. And the reality was, through those evil influences, that principalities and powers that he had opened himself up through, through the internet, he had gone down an evil path. And it was only through taking him to the word of God and showing him, look, this is unbiblical. This and this and this. These are, God will not direct you to do things that go against his word. And folks, we got to be careful. Because 
We had to take time and we had to pray and we had to pray in Jesus' name that this evil influence would leave him and leave his family. And, um, you know, it's scary stuff. It's not stuff usually they talk about a whole lot in Bible college, okay? And they, you don't realize this kind of stuff is going on, but it really is. And I don't believe the young man was possessed of a demon or anything, but I believe he was being greatly influenced by uh, a demonic force. And it was only through calling on the name of the Lord and, and repeating or, preach, or quoting heaps of scripture in Jesus' name and in Jesus' power that he was released from that. And I'm thankful he's, he's doing much better now and he's, he's gained weight back to a more normal size and he's, he's being much more wise about not being led astray that way again. <clears throat> because what he was listening to, to him, sounded good. But understand, that's the kind of stuff we deal with. Now, it's happening right here in America, too. It's not just over in New Zealand. But that's why we as men have to know what the Bible says so you don't get led astray by these false doctrines. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now, the whole armor of God was the having our loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and having on the helmet of salvation and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and having the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's what we need to fight against these evil influences around us. Don't fight in your own strength. You will lose. You need to fight with God's protection and his power. Now, our families need to see men that are going to stand for God. That's what they need. Because you know what happens? When a man stands for God, then his children sees a man standing for God, and, and they can choose to stand for God too. And then the grandkids can stand for God, and our churches grow, and year after year after year, the church stands. But you know, it only takes one generation to turn away from God and that whole thing, it breaks down, completely breaks down. We need to make stands and stand and lead our families to stand for God as well. In New Zealand, after the mosque shooting took place, there were some people in Auckland. I, I don't know who, to, who it was, but they decided to put some tracks in some letter boxes in Auckland. And some of you have probably heard of Chick Tracks. They're kind of a, a little cartoon sort of thing. And those have many different themes. Uh, some talk about uh, Catholicism and some talk about um, uh, various themes. But one of, some of the themes are dealing with Islam. And someone put some of those tracks dealing with Islam in some letter boxes. And someone complained about it to the police. And the police said... We are investigating this hate crime. And we are trying to take fingerprints from these booklets. And we're trying to get fingerprints from the letterboxes. And find out who is committing this hate crime of putting a track in a letterbox. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, America is not far from that. And New Zealand is probably several years ahead of where America is right now. Because on a political in my view, on a political uh, standpoint, I'm not going to preach politics here because, you know, that's not my place. 
But the reality is, you know you have a Republican Party and a Democratic Party in America. Now, we have a national party and we have a labor party. But in, as far as core values go, our conservative party is about where the Democratic Party is. That's our conservative party. And you can imagine where our liberal party is. It's way further down the road. And so, folks, the reality is, when a government gets in power, they can change things very quickly in New Zealand. They don't have the checks and balances there that we have here in America. And we have no constitution there for our, our rights and things. And so what's taking place there is the government that's in now is the liberal government. And they've said, we're going to ban this and ban this and we're going to legalize this. And um, the reality is things can get bad very quickly. And if our prime minister tomorrow said she is banning the Bible, she could do that. She has that ability to do that. And we need to be wise as we preach the gospel to those around us. But we need to, as men and women and children, take stands for God. Don't give in. You know, there are people who call themselves Christians, but just turn a blind eye to a lot of the evil that's going on in our world around us. We can't do that. God, if God calls it sin, then it's sin. It's not what I say. It's what does God say about it? You know, no one cares what I think. I, I realize that. Nobody cares what I think about anything. But I'm going to tell them what God says about it. Because my opinion matters very little. It's what God says about it that's important. And folks, that's the same way with each of us. What God says is what makes the difference. Now, God loves everybody, but he doesn't love our sin. And when we sin, God says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if, if you have not come to know Christ as Savior, God loves you and he wants you to be saved. But he doesn't want you to carry on in the wickedness. He, as he told the woman, at the, uh, the woman that was accused of adultery, he said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, go living in your lifestyle of wickedness. He said, go and sin no more. And that's what he desires for us. Now, I know we're not going to be sinlessly perfect until we're with the Lord, but we should sin less, not more as Christians, okay? Now, in this passage, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Just need to ask you this question tonight. Men, are you going to be the men that are going to stand for the Lord no matter what? We don't know how bad it's going to get before the Lord comes back. You know, I believe that the Lord is going to come back before the tribulation time. The rapture will take place and the tribulation after. But the reality is we don't know how bad it's going to get here on the earth before the Lord comes back. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing things happening today in different places around the world that I never imagined I would see. We're seeing Christians that are being massacred in various countries around the world, and the world doesn't even report on it. You know, we had a mosque shooting in New Zealand, and 50 people were killed, and that was horrible, 51 people. And that was totally wrong and wicked and horrible. But you know, there are villages in Africa where hundreds of people are being murdered, and you have to really search out to find out any information about it because the media is not covering it. There are people in 
places in the Middle East that are having horrible things done to them because they're Christians. We don't know what it's gonna, what, how bad it's going to get. But folks, we need to take a stand for Christ no matter what. And I don't know what it's going to get to in New Zealand, but we're going to stand for the Lord. And I hope you're going to stand for the Lord here. If you're without Christ, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I hope you'll trust him. And if you have trusted Christ, I hope you'll make a commitment to the Lord to never give up and to stand for the Lord till death. Back a number of years ago, I was a youth pastor in Jacksonville, Florida. And I would go visit the, the youth in our church. And one day I went to this family's house and they had a pit bull. Anybody know what a pit bull is? It's one mean dog sometimes, okay? Well, their, their dog was a guard dog. And they had a kind of a big yard. And so they had a little circle drive in the front. It's maybe uh, 50, 60 yards to the road from their house. And I'd drive in that driveway, and that pit bull, he would run out to my car, and he would bite onto my tire, and he would ride that tire around till his head would smack on the ground. And then he'd release, and then he'd bite it again, and he'd ride it around again, and his head would smack again. He'd do that about, it ended up being about 10 times before I got up to the house there. And then I couldn't get out of the car till they came out, because that dog was just snarling and barking and going on like crazy. Well, the, the owner would come out and he'd say, he'd point the dog to this tree that had a ball hanging in the tree, and like a volleyball. And the dog would run over there and jump up and just bite onto that ball and just hang there. And that dog would just latch his jaw on there and he'd hang on there and hang on there and hang on. And we'd be standing there talking for 10, 15 minutes, you know, and that dog would just be hanging on. It wouldn't release. It'd just hold on to it. And it would not release till he got permission to, to release. Well, you know, that kind of tenacity, that kind of never giving up, is the kind of tenacity we need to have for the Lord. We need to say, Lord, I'm going to hold on to you, and I am never going to give up, no matter what. And I'm going to hold on, even, if, even till I die, I'm going to hold on. That's it. Lord, I am yours. Will you take your stand for Christ? You know, I, I reckon I'm sort of preaching to the choir tonight because you're here on a Sunday night and probably a lot of you have already taken that stand for Christ. But maybe there's someone here that's kind of wavering. You haven't done that. Maybe you're a man, maybe you're a, a woman, maybe you're a child, maybe you're a teenager. You know, back when I was a teenager and we were singing, Dare to Stand Alone for Christ, I made a decision. Lord, I'm going to hold on to you. And I'm still holding on. And I hope you are too. And your missionaries all over the world need you to do that because you have ministries represented all over this world. And if you guys give up here, guess what happens to them? Those ministries falter as well. They need you to take that stand for Christ.